0: Welcome back to another edition of Brightcast by Shipbright. We're really glad you're here. In this week's episode, we're going to be talking more about uh, life post-Dorium, uh, how it kept evolving and how it kept changing. post dorian relief was still a major national issue, and we'll talk a lot about it. And Holly will be joining me again. Here I am. And we're so glad you're here. Welcome aboard. If you like this, please tell your friends. Please subscribe. Thanks again for being here. So, uh, Holly, uh, working with World Central Kitchen, uh, they've been focused on getting f- food up to the Abacos and to Grand Bahama. And then the, uh, the field kitchens uh, started popping up so that they... There wasn't as much need for the Helos to be actually delivering the actual meals themselves. They were delivering supplies, but it wasn't necessarily the the meals themselves. But what then transitioned was to the shelters in Nassau. Holly, tell us about all that. Yeah,
1: so um, I don't know if transitioned is quite the word um, because the the shelters were were there from the very beginning right after, um, the hurricane. So what happened was, you know, they, right after the hurricane came, they, I don't know exactly when the shelters opened up, but there were multiple shelters all over New Providence. Um, the biggest one being the Sir Kendall Isaac's gym. So, but anyways, it's, it it's a gym. It's a, basically a basketball gym, stadium, um, type thing. And so, they turned that into the shelter that that was the largest shelter on the island. And there were how many people were in there? There was about almost about a thousand people that were in that gym. And it was wall to wall people um, on air mattresses and things like that. And so so basically, we were feeding the people of the shelters at the same time we were feeding the um, you know sending the food out on the helicopters, which is why it was so chaotic, and so it was there were some stressful days just trying to get the food out two times a day. We were sending food to the shelters in nassau uh lunch and dinner um we were sending um there were some smaller organizations um in the shelters in Nassau, or some of some of the shelters had small kitchens in them, and so they could They had their own, if you will, donated food of cereals and and things like that.
0: Well, so there were a lot of people there that you were having to feed. Yeah. But it was a mix of Bahamians and Haitians, right? Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, anybody who was affected by the hurricane who lived on any of the outer islands. And there were lots of smaller keys that were affected, too. It wasn't just the two islands that we keep mentioning. There were lots of other small keys around um, where people were affected. Um, that came to the shelters. And so we had a team, we had the people that were cooking the food um, for the for the folks on Nassau, for those who were displaced and then the shelters. And we would cook the food and then we would um, have it delivered to the different shelters. And then the largest one, uh, Kendall Isaacs, we actually sent a team of volunteers there with the food, both at lunch and dinner. To serve it because when you have a thousand people um, like you had said earlier you get people get into this uh, mindset of of wanting to hoard and so um, we wanted to keep things orderly and not have a problem at the shelter uh, with food distribution so we sent- did you ever
0: run into it yourself when you were there because you were prob- actually on the front line serving e- people yeah I
1: did I did a little bit I stayed mostly in the kitchen I did go to serve a few times. Um, I'll tell you, we did sort of jumping around here. So we had a fabulous chef, Natasha, um, who is, she is Haitian. She's actually come out with a fa- a great cookbook. Um, oh, a right. Haitian cookbook. And I actually, I would love, we could put a, we'll give her a little shout out and maybe put a link in your thing, absolutely um, for her cookbook. But she was in our kitchen, um, chefing up some food, uh, lots of food. And she, because there was such a large Haitian community of of shelterees from the storm, especially in Kendall Isaacs, she wanted to make some Haitian food. And the first day I went to go serve food um, happened to be the day that we had, she made a Haitian um, delicacy. I, I can't remember what it was that she made, but it was something that is loved by them. And um, it was delicious, but Word gets out because, you know, people go, what's what's for lunch today? And so you tell them and then like word spreads like wildfire. And so people wanted seconds there. There was we had to get there were security guards that were there just to make sure with a thousand people in a gym, you got to keep things safe for everybody. And so the security guards did need to sort of make sure everybody, um, you know, stayed in line and didn't didn't try cutting or coming back for seconds, making sure. Everybody got fed before anybody could come back for seconds. But the bottom line was, was huge that, the, they, that they Those were recipes so were a big hit. Oh, they were a huge hit, um, and and so, you know, w- there were such an immense amount of people that were were volunteering and helping at all these shelters. There were um, three children's homes um, in in Nassau, one of which was already there, um, an orphanage. They call them hostels. Um, on in the Bahamas and I don't know why it's called a hostel but um, to us in America a hostel is a place you stay if you're a traveler but the, they call them children's hostels but they were children's orphanages and there was one already there but they ended up having to open two others because, because there were children whose parents were missing or had died and these kids were now orphans and so mm. we were bringing food there as well um, and and People from world central kitchen uh, both both people who work for the organization and volunteers would go and also bring you know we would find out what do these kids need and 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 people would bring things to them. I know we brought some basketballs and some toys for the kids to play with outside and just just things to to help their frame of mind, um, but along that helping the frame of mind, one thing that also happened pretty early on is, you know, within our, our group of, of volunteers that we would send, we'd send about six people to Kendall Isaacs each meal to help serve and clean up and everything. Um, but some of the people who, who were in the shelters didn't, didn't want to just be sitting in a shelter all day long. I mean, number one, it's depressing and, you know, thinking about everything you've just lost and not knowing where your future is, but also, um, you know, some of these people wanted to help. They wanted to step into action and not just feel like they were useless. And so they asked some of our um, volunteers if, if they could help. And so they started out helping just to serve, to set up, make sure the area was cleaned up for us to get there. And then they would serve the food and, but then they wanted to do more. And so we actually would send some of the drivers that we had each morning would go on their way to come to start doing the deliveries for us. They would swing by the shelter there at Kendall Isaacs and pick up anybody who wanted to volunteer their time. And these women and teenagers and um, some men, uh, some boys came and, and helped out and were helping to prep food and cook in the kitchen and do whatever it took to just contribute to help with what we were doing, which yeah. was awesome.
0: I remember seeing uh, some of the ladies that had uh, volunteered. I mean, when they would start to work, these were hard workers. Yeah,
1: they're very hard workers and great attitudes. I mean, some of the teenagers, you know, it's... they. Some of the teenagers wanted to come just to get away from the shelter, which completely understand. And we would accept that. And it was like, okay, if you want to come and help out and do a few of the smaller tasks, then that's okay. You know, anything, anything to help your mindset and to get you... In, a, in an environment where you f- can feel good and positive is okay. And there, there was a group of women and, and teenagers um, that really made an impact on a lot of our hearts. And, and some of which I keep in touch with still today as they're still trying to rebuild. Um, one in particular, Alicia, she's, mm. I call her my second sister. She's She's fabulous. She's, you know, got children, Four children and um, lost everything. She was a farmer in Abaco. She grew her own vegetables and she sold it, not just her own, but she sold them to the local markets. She sold flowers. She had a business going with her farm. And Very she, industrious, hardworking. She, yep, and she lost all of it, all of it during the storm mm. and um, still is working to get to, to rebuild again
0: So let me ask you a question Because, you know, the, when the, When everyone first came to New Providence I mean, clearly the storm had just hit There was widespread damage and devastation People were trying to get, you know, food, water Just anything, a roof over that mm-hmm. And a lot of them came down to Nassau But a lot of these, especially the undocumented Haitians uh, They all quickly dispersed For fear of deportation Yeah,
1: some some did Um, And that was, I don't know specifics of all that because, to be honest, I was, I was, my mind was in just making sure everybody was fed. But we did notice that numbers um, in the shelters, because we kept track every day um, of, you know, where the shelter locations were, how many people were in the shelters, how many trays of food we had to send who was delivering like we had a very clear uh, system plan of action Mm -hmm. um and so we would notice for, for each day um numbers dwindle somewhat and so we would reach out to the different shelters um to find out where where are your people going are they going back home you know and some of them they just didn't know they 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 were just gone, Gone and so yeah. So it was, uh, it was a matter of you know people were yes afraid of being deported because thou, you know, they get sent back to Haiti. Haiti's got a lot of its own issues going on still, and yeah, and it's just it's not a safe. Environment for some of these people, and so they they just did sort of made themselves cool. disappear. They they um, what do you call it? Got absorbed absorbed themselves into the landscape, yeah. if you will.
0: I'm going to talk a little bit about that. I think in a few minutes. But okay. one of the things I'd, I'd love to have you do is uh, just as as things evolve and change, uh, and as the immediate crisis feeding program starts to uh, get on more of an even keel and slow down a little bit. Uh, the, the leadership team at World Central Kitchen had other places in the world to go to yeah. to respond, leaving uh, a group of uh, WCK people and volunteers yeah. in charge. Yeah. And that included you. Yes. And tell, yep. tell us about that.
1: So that was um, in October that, I think it was mid to late October, um, that, yeah, Josh and Tim and some of the other uh, core WCK People needed to needed to, to to ship out they needed to go to other disasters that were going on. Um, I think that was around the same time as uh, the wildfires in Australia somewhere around there i but but they they needed to go to, to do to help other people in other parts of the world and so what they did is you know they would observe those of us who were who were there of uh, long term more than just a day or two volunteering. Um, and basically put us in charge (laughs) Um, and so and you were put in charge yeah and I and I was put in charge there was a a, you know handful of us that were put in charge and um, it was like okay here we go you know keep doing what you're doing Um, they were always reachable if we had questions or needed help with anything they were always reachable via whatsapp and um, you know they led from afar but but myself and a a handful of others um, just continued the rains uh, and you in, uh, had to
0: relocate from Atlanta. yeah
1: so then so then this is even after so now now we're looking at um november um we now needed to relocate and um josh came back for a little while and helped sort of scope out some other locations we were trying to figure out what we were going to do um because although the shelter numbers were dwindling but there were still significant amounts of people that needed to be fed and the shelters some of them just didn't have the facilities to be able to do to cook the amount of food. And and they the needed and to. the government
0: of the Bahamas, I mean, it was a three point four billion dollar hit to the yeah, Bahamas, yep. and they just didn't have the money and the resources right. to provide right. all of this food and to feed their people. Right,
1: right, and we were committed. I mean, World Central Kitchen is committed to doing what they need to do to keep to keep to keep everybody fed, but also. Sort of the philosophy is to sort of get get people back on their feet again. Not just people, but like help local businesses to be able to help feed. Um, and they have
0: different business models depending on where they go. So now take us... So, so yeah,
1: so what happened is we, um, we changed locations. We needed to get out of Atlantis. Atlantis, you know, after the hurricane was... They were now starting to... Because we're in the banquet kitchen, they needed... To have their facility back, the chefs there were amazing, management was great. they worked around us, um, but I think you know it was like the guest that stays too long well you're also <laughs> we going into, you're, but
0: you're also going into the holiday season, right. which is their high season exactly,
1: so we were getting into holidays, they needed their facility back, and we needed us we didn't need such a large facility anymore. so um, we ended up moving, we moved twice, um, we moved to a training center more central to in the island. Um, near bahama mar
0: if you know near the near bahama area. Mar,
1: yep um, and anyways there's it's a it's a training facility um smaller kitchen we met um a, a few people who worked there at the small training facility uh, fabulous group of women and and men um but we met some amazing people there that um we, we used them pretty much all the time and continued on yep and then after about a month well that's where
0: we spent just so people know oh, yes, that's yes. where we spent Thanksgiving. Uh, our, our Thanksgiving day and our Christmas day uh, uh in the kitchen,
1: yes, yep, and you know the funny thing is i i love I love the holidays who doesn't I love Christmas and Thanksgiving, but I've always wanted to volunteer my time on thanksgiving I've always thought you know as much as I love thanksgiving dinners i ever since I was a teenager, I was thought you know I would like to go and give back somewhere and so um we We pretty much spent our thanks, yeah, we not pretty much we did spend our Thanksgiving and our Christmas there, um, trying to make some special some meals and make it special for the the people that were still living in the shelters. and you know again, the numbers had had gone down drastically, but you still had people that literally had nowhere to go nothing nothing no family nowhere to go they're still working on uh reconstructing
0: housing up in grand bahama and uh on the abacos where the uh, national emergency management agency working in uh partnership with uh international groups Mm -hmm. were bringing in some of these uh, temporary housing
1: yep building building some sort of temporary housing um and so we were doing our best to you know do what we could um we worked thanksgiving we worked Christmas. I worked through a foot injury. (laughs) I hurt my foot outside of volunteering one day um, when my brother was visiting and ended up in a a walking cast. I didn't break anything, but I had some ligament damage. You remember that? And, oh, damn. And how could one forget? It was pretty bad. I still actually have a lump on my foot from that. Um,
0: and I do want to just say, you know, when, in regards to your injury, and then we'll uh, we'll wrap up on this part here. But uh, you know, one of our friends said, "Oh, go to this convenient care place," oh, and yes. we're thinking, "Oh gosh, you know, we're down here in the islands. You know, we'll probably be there a couple of hours, and who knows what the level of service will be." I'm going to tell you right now, it was one of the best. Wow. convenient cares I've ever seen or been to better than the ones here yeah. that we've been to in the states yeah and they were uh, so
1: fast uh, I mean top we, notch we went in they said go in the morning so we got there in the morning when they opened and um got in pretty quick and I mean we don't have they in the in the Bahamas they have national insurance obviously in America we don't and so I, I'm always worried about how much am I going to have to pay and got in there She looked at it. She thought for sure I had I had bruising. My entire foot was bruised up to my ankle. Um,
0: They had their own radiology department right there.
1: She said, "I'm going to send you in for some X-rays. Just go upstairs." I went upstairs. I was X-rayed. I was back downstairs within ten minutes, and I was like, like I was in a. I want to say I think it was about thirty minutes from when she first saw me to when we were walking out the door, and I had my my boot on. And I, how much did it cost? I don't remember how it's much like it was. Two hundred and sixty dollars. Yeah, yeah, not not very much. And and for yeah, excellent for the care. boot, for the care, for the X-rays, for everything. Yeah. Um. We were in. We were so impressed. It yeah. was. It was. I was cared for. Well, very Well, wrap up so, now
0: in terms of uh, the kitchen work. And what? What yeah, are the sort of last so, words you'd like to say about that?
1: Um. Well, I I didn't even tell. So we ended up moving into um the Bahamas Red Cross facility. And we we did some work to fix up that their kitchen and work with their chef.
0: So but you'd moved into the Bahamas Red Cross. You did a lot of work, which by the way it needed a lot of work. But they did this. World Central Kid World Central Central Kitchen did this. You continued on. Uh Chef Jose came back. Chef Jose came back.
1: Yep. And that's you had posted the pictures on your Instagram of me and and Chef Jose. Um, and you know, he's, he's a fabulous guy. He, he is a man who truly, truly cares. Um, he's not doing this for any other reason other than the fact that he does care about people and wants them to get fed. And yeah, I mean, it was bittersweet leaving. And then even when I left, you know, we left during COVID and we were still cooking. We had actually stopped cooking for the shelters, but we were still supplying. We were supplying food for the, for two Red Cross to their kitchen. Um, so that they could continue cooking um, for the, the who was left in the shelters, and by now the numbers had really, really, really gone down a lot. Um, and that, and we were coming into COVID at that point in time. Right.
0: And, and so it started changing added, everything. Yeah,
1: that added a whole element. But um, that I left when when we left the Bahamas, I was still working remotely.
0: We um, left in April of twenty. 20- 19 no 2020. 2020 sorry we left in yeah, april of 2020 COVID,
1: we came back um yeah end of april and i continued to do the um, ordering of the product for world central kitchen to have things to have the food and the product delivered to the shelters where they could actually do the cooking and to the red cross um, so we Supply, you know, I was with them until uh, mid. You were providing June, logistical think. work. Yeah, I was working helping yeah, exactly. organize with the kitchen mm-hmm. uh, until June. I was with them until June, and I was happy to to be helping and to continue to work as you know in the best capacity I could. And in the end, you know, how do I feel about having done this? I loved it. I loved helping. I loved being in the kitchen and having that hustle. I love the fact that. There were so, hundreds, I met hundreds of people, literally, in the form of volunteers and from World Central Kitchen.
0: And Talk and about some of the social Lots of Bahamians.
1: Of yeah, we made some amazing Bahamian friends. We'll do that later part. Yeah, but I mean, it just, it was such a great experience, and the hurricane was terrible, but it changed a lot of lives for the worse, but it also, in the end, ended up changing some lives for the better. Um, nice. And from ours, our lives, for sure.
0: Well, let me just add uh, to the end uh, point of this is that, you know, the whole purpose of a Fulbright is to increase international understanding and friendship. And I will say, you know, Holly came down. We are not married. We're partners. Mm-hmm. Uh, and therefore— You call uh,
1: me your wife equivalent. <laughs> yeah, I do.
0: Uh, actually, down in the, the, the Bahamas can be a bit conservative, so I just called her uh, Holly, my wife, when yeah. we are down there. It just made life a little bit easier. Yeah. But my point being is that uh, we were not paid as a married couple to go down. That's I didn't, right. I didn't get any. Uh, if you're married and you get a Fulbright, uh, they give you a dependence allowance. Yeah. We didn't have that. No. Uh, no airfare, no nothing. It was all on our back. And I will say, and uh, I loved it. I'm not complaining. What I am saying, though, is that uh, Holly... Honesty contributed more in the Fulbright spirit, I think, than I was able to do. And I thought I did a pretty good job, but yeah, Holly really represented the United States uh, and was a fabulous ambassador with a big heart. Oh,
1: thank you. Yeah. Well, and it, it did, like you said, it it fulfilled what the Fulbright stands for and it's improving re- international relationships. Mm-hmm. Yep. And um, yeah, it was it was awesome. Thank you, sweetie. <laughs> Thanks for interviewing.
0: Hey everyone, here's a quick word from Anchor.fm, which is one of my sponsors. They provide me the tools to keep this broadcast free. Thank you.
1: Okay, so I, while I was volunteering with World Central Kitchen and spending all my time with them, um, you now have gotten your students off to Hampton University, the University of Bahamas students, and now... Let's hear a little bit about how, where things went from there and how the Fulbright sort of looking for evolved, how it evolved from yeah. there and what happened.
0: Yeah. So, you know, what I'd like to do is uh, I, I kind of want to talk about a, a sensitive issue in the Bahamas uh, because it affected the work you were doing and it really was a an issue that came to the forefront because there was national stress, right? $3.4 billion of damage. Uh, suddenly... Uh, there are people needing services to be fed, to be mm-hmm. sheltered, and what really rose to the top uh, for a long simmering issue is uh, the issue of undocumented Haitians. Mm. Uh, and,
1: uh, and as as it is in in any country, right? I mean, undocumented, undocumented migrants. Yeah,
0: it is. I mean, so I, I was talking to a very dear friend of ours who was the former uh, foreign minister for the Bahamas. And making sure I had my facts right about the Haitian issue. And he said to me that this issue for the Bahamas really has been in place ever since the Haitian Revolution in the late 1800s uh, from the French. And there was all this political turmoil going on in Haiti, and people were trying to escape uh, the violence. Uh, and were also trying to better their lives because mm-hmm. they were so impoverished. And so mm-hmm. I remember, as a young boy, we were staying at a place called the Emerald Palms, which was in the south of Andros. It's now, it's mm-hmm. that, pl- it's that place, the resort now that the Canadian couple uh, uh, bought. And, oh and yeah, that's, they did
1: a TV show yeah, about it. Yeah, of, I on, can't remember what the name. I, is. I don't know what's called either. But there's some. Um, fixer-upper show on Travel Channel or something that did a, a show about yeah,
0: that. Yeah, these, these guys bought it just before COVID, but we'll oh get God. there. So <laughs> I remember as a young boy in the morning one time, uh, well, mid, midnight or early in the morning, all of a sudden there was all this commotion and lights flashing and going around. And uh, there were the uh, Royal Bahamian Police and the Defense Force were out on the beach because a couple of boatloads of uh, Haitians were landing and they were rounding them up. And I remember looking at that, that was my first, uh, kind of exposure to this mm-hmm. issue. And it, I, I was confused. It was complicated. They looked mm-hmm. like nice people. They just were poor. And you know, anyway, so, yeah. uh, well,
1: and here's the thing too, I just wanted to track for a moment. Um, you know, when you have people who are fleeing their own country, they're, they're not fleeing because there's, <laughs> because they have it good in their own country. Um, they're fleeing because there's there's bad things happening, or they believe their way of life could be better, you know, someplace else. Yeah. And that's historically that's that's the way well, it goes. That's how migration ends up working. Right? Yeah.
0: So human human migration. Well, yeah. and you know, and and in the Bahamas, I just remember starting in the, uh, to my consciousness starting in the 70s. You know, the, uh, there were a lot of uh, Haitians were coming in. Uh, they were getting uh, jobs, uh, doing uh, work that. Quite frankly, a lot of the Bahamians didn't want to do mm-hmm. uh, I remember on Great Abaco there was Star Farms, and they were the guys, the men and women out there. They were the ones in the fields picking the grapefruit. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a side story to that because I was uh, on the Federal Invasive Species Advisory Council, and I chaired it for two years. And I chaired it. We were down in uh, Miami, and I had somebody come over from the Bahamas to talk about the social impact of invasive species. Now what we were talking about was when Hurricane Katrina came in, you know, you got the storm and all these sort of microscopic organisms are up in the air and they're bent tossed around like the egg beater over hundreds and hundreds of miles. Well, um, a citrus canker in the States ended up landing in Great Abaco and it wiped out the grapefruit uh, I didn't industry. That. Oh yeah, and and what happened then was all of a sudden you had all these Haitians that lived in these communities in the bush, out of the way, under under cover. Everybody knew they were there, but it was kind of like if they stay there, we're just going to turn a blind eye to it because, quite frankly, they're giving us all cheap labor. And all of a sudden, they had no work and they needed some help. And there was a lot of social tension because mm-hmm. now the Haitians needed help uh, that they had not been paying taxes on. Uh, but even though the employers knew they were undocumented illegal immigrants
1: it had been like a symbiotic relationship where well, th-
0: they were helping
1: the the farms by doing the labor that that others didn't want to do and the farmers were profiting off of that That's right. and then, then they wouldn't have those jobs
0: if the far, if the the Owners of yeah. like star farms didn't hire them. So right. you know when people are talking about these immigrants, they're taking our jobs. Well, somebody is giving them their job, and that somebody who's giving them their job knows that they're illegal. Uh, that's almost really where the crux of the problem is, uh, especially in the Bahamas. So let's go back now to Hurricane Dorian. So uh, the people, the undocumented Haitians, were living in a place called like the Mud. The Mud, yeah. yeah. Uh, it was the name of this shanty the, village. Yeah, they, right, were, right, they were they right, were living right. in. Uh, in in the bush, if you will, yeah. Uh, and the mud
1: was actually though a shanty town that was very very much. Uh, everybody knew what it was. It was it was like it's a little ci- a little yeah. city, if you will. Um, but they couldn't do anything about it because it was so vast and so. Populated. Well, they didn't want to
0: do anything about it because these were the people that were were providing a lot of labor right. at, at low cost. Yeah. So uh, I mean, after. Dorian hit, you know, the cost of yeah. getting these people the, And
1: by the way, sorry, the mud was absolutely demolished. It was flattened, washed away. It you couldn't tell anything had Well, and happened. then
0: the government came in and bulldozed it. Yeah, and
1: they bulldozed it so that so that nobody could rebuild. But w-
0: what ended up happening was it, it, it this issue rose to the surface and it became a little bit ugly. Uh, there were people protesting out of the Ken uh, outside of the Kendall Isaac's gym, uh, which was the the Shelter. Right, that Holly was serving food at. And it was nationalist, it's like, go home, we don't want you here, Uh, leave. Uh, uh, Prime Minister Minnis was uh, filmed, kicking down a door in the mud. Dorian first said it was like listen we don't care who you are you you know just come and we'll save you and we'll get there and then that immediately turned it it was a lot of social tension and the haitians knew this and then they basically started disappearing from the shelters yeah. and and then they started to disperse into the bush in the other islands for example in North Andros I've heard tangentially from our friends that live there that quite a large uh undocumented uh, haitian community uh, has kind of built up and and created in the bush and that that creates issue on water uh you know sewage i mean all of these issues where there's not proper hygiene or Mm -hmm. infrastructure to support human habitation Mm -hmm. uh, there are a lot of concomitant effects that people don't think about until it finally comes to fruition so we were there when this uh, the haitian issue really broke the surface and uh like here in the United States, uh, it's a, a passionate subject. People have very strong opinions on it. Uh, its It was hard to find common ground. And they still haven't figured out how to deal with the Haitian issue uh, in the Bahamas. It's, it's overwhelming. And quite frankly, they've also got a lot of other issues they need to deal yeah. with because, remember, then COVID hit.
1: Yeah. So and, and more so, I mean, it's you're calling it the Haitian issue, but I think also it's you know the illegal immigration issue. Yes, which that's correct. Isn't just with the Haitian community; it's the largest part. But yeah, um, no, you're right. You know, it's just illegal immigration. You're right.
0: Period. You're right on that. Um, so, uh, coming back now to what was happening, uh, so we got the students up to uh, Hampton University. And I was trying to figure out what was gonna happen next with my uh with my Fulbright because again, the provost had gone. We had worked out a number of programs that she wanted my help with. One was uh looking at uh, curricula for uh creating a master's in business administration, and my my contribution to that would be looking at entrepreneurialism and Uh, we were gonna work out of, a lot out of the North Campus, which was destroyed, so that's off the table. Plus, you didn't have the provost there telling deans and other faculty members and staffers to uh, work with me and to cooperate. So between Dorian, lack of leadership, and then now, as I learned from my good friend Pandora, uh, we were talking about what was gonna happen as we got into the middle of November through the uh, first of the year. And she goes, oh, she goes, ship, December. Once we hit the holidays, <laughs> December insane. is a lost month. And I'm—I was curious. I said, "What do you mean?" She goes, "Oh, you. No one is around. Everyone is getting ready to celebrate the holidays." And I will tell you, Holly and I saw this with our own <laughs> eyes. You know, we think we may celebrate Thanksgiving. Well, I'm telling you, the Bahamians the celebrate. Bahamians
1: love Thanksgiving. They—they they they celebrate
0: it. it better than Americans yeah. do. Yep. I. You want to go down and in November around Thanksgiving time. It's a blast, yeah. and then you get into uh, you know December, and everybody is getting ready for Junkanoe. the holidays. Junkanoo, uh, it's Junkanoo is like their carnival, and uh, yeah. we'll talk about that in a second. So you know, you couldn't you know, people were leaving early, people were going back to their home islands if they lived in the family islands, you know. They and then, of course, there were exams and classes were out, so it was a lost month until the first of the year. One of the things that Holly and I really enjoyed was we made a plan to go see Junkanoo in person in Nassau. Yeah. It is, you know, it's their uh it's their Super Bowl if you will of holidays. Oh and my gosh. and we I'd seen Junkanoo on like Green Turtle Key and it was fun, you yep. know, everybody knows everybody yep. and it was a great time and but And but I've
1: been to Carnival in St. Barts. We did was a that last in February. Yep. But still, I mean, that's a small island, and seeing Junkanoo in the Bahamas was, on Nassau, Was that's a party? <laughs> you know, I mean, you have what
0: they call the cruise, and they spend a lot of yeah. money and time, and time creating these beautiful costumes. Mm-hmm. You know, basically out of cardboard and cray paper, Thunders and, and oh my gosh! And 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 then they choreograph it. Uh, yep. uh, you know, stopping every now and every day, big do a big dance. I'll, I'll, Post a video on our uh, yeah on the Facebook cool of that video, you know the music goes but here's also the deal so it goes around in a circuit in downtown Nassau and they do four circuits now you mm. might think okay well that's nice but it starts at midnight yeah and it goes until maybe noon the next day mm-hmm. yeah it's that long it's yeah. that many people and 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 they, everybody's out and everybody's every there
1: every age kids with the you know obviously with their families and. Everybody's out having a great time. It is, it's a blast. I think, I can't remember how late we watched it till I think it was two or three, somewhere around there, 3 a.m. I had to work the next morning, let's not forget, still volunteering. And so, did everybody
0: come in the next day? Yeah, I, I think, yeah, I mean, everybody <laughs> who, yeah, I
1: mean, everybody was committed. Um, it was, it was a little rough, but um, it was good. And, and this was, wasn't it, I'm trying to remember, was it Christmas? It was what New was Year's.
0: That? They 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 did it right after it was it was it was like New Year's I Eve. Think there
1: was a Christmas one. Well, yeah. I
0: think they did do it one in on Christmas yeah. during the day, but they did There's the several. real one. Well, the <laughs> the big one was New Year's, yeah. okay. and that's the one we went to. All we right. we got uh, we got uh, made a reservation at a restaurant overlooking street. the street, which was great. Otherwise, yeah. you're going to be standing for a long time. If you are in the Bahamas or if you're in Nassau, do make an effort to go to Junkanoo. Because it really is a sight to be seen. It, they do it well. Uh, they do it with such enthusiasm and vigor. Yeah. I, it's really quite impressive. I
1: agree. It was fun. Yeah,
0: it was a lot of fun. So I think what I'd like to do is maybe we'll stop here uh, because I think we need to then talk about what happened after New Year's and as we all know, COVID was looming on the horizon.
1: Yes, it was. We, we
0: weren't sure how it was going to affect us, how bad it was. None of us kind of really knew. I mean, you, the listener, I, you, you just think back to December of uh, of 2019. Yeah. You know what 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 were you yeah. what were you hearing? What were you thinking? I will say this, and I've said it before: is Hubert Minnis, the prime minister, is a physician, uh, and I f- feel that. Uh,
1: He's he sprung into action quickly. Yeah,
0: there was none of this downplaying, fifteen down to zero, or yeah. it's a hoax, or yeah. it was, uh, that it, which it was a real thing that to us we then. all
1: had to take seriously. Yeah. And...
0: So we'll talk about that next because we also, as part of my official duties, we got to go to Costa Rica.
1: Yes, love that.
0: Okay, everybody. Hey, thanks again for being here. See ya. Thanks again for being here with. Brightcast by Shipbright with Holly here by my side, my editor, my muse. (laughs) So we just want to say thank you for being here and uh, being part of this. Uh, If you like this, uh, please tell your friends. Please give it a like on iTunes. Uh, subs-
1: don't forget to subscribe oh yeah you can subscribe follow. that would be fun
0: to get some and subscribers all that fun stuff maybe people already are
1: maybe people want to hear some of your other episodes oh yeah your coming previous up episode previous episodes previous upcoming stuff and, and I'm not always on your episodes there's a lot of your own stories to tell but this has been fun being part of this so far cool. So
0: I think we got, probably got one more episode of the Bahamas and then we're going to move on to another part of the world oh yes <laughs> okay thanks everybody for being here